he made a remote when he was young because he hate the TV. So the remote he used, he, if you just push one button, the whole yeah. building or the whole mall or the whole hospital's TV will turn off because <laughs> he thinks that people hate uh, people should not uh, be watching television every day. Hello everyone and welcome to the EdTech Podcast. In this week's episode, we travel nearly 5,000 miles from the UK to China to talk about increasing interest in competency-based education. Whilst traditional education has focused heavily on the National College Entrance Examination, commonly known as Gokao, our guests talk about alternative approaches to broadening learning in China. First up, you'll hear EdTech podcast listener Sunny Tan interviewing the founder of KitKat, Michael Huang. Sunny is busy helping to populate our Chinese podcast channel on Himalaya, but when she's not doing that, she's hosting parent and child feedback groups on competency-based learning across China as part of her University of York studies. But in this episode, you'll hear her interview Michael Huang. As the founder of KitKat English, Michael Huang was selected top 30 under 30 by Forbes China. Beyond helping people learn English more effectively, Michael has expanded his efforts into STEAM learning, teaching himself to code, design clothes and how to apply mathematics. He and his team have made 3D printers for less than 100 US dollars, as well as create homemade perfume and in-home vertical cultivation systems to grow food, channeling their creativity to tackle some of Shanghai's foremost urban issues. In this interview with Sunny, Michael talks about how he thinks the Gokao exam will slowly expand to recognise students' more creative needs, as well as knowledge of cutting-edge technologies and how to apply them, such as artificial intelligence. Our second interview is with Yiwai Zhang, Director of International EdTech Projects at RAI. RAI is a knowledge provider on education within China, with a focus on well-rounded education as opposed to the exam-orientated K-12 after-school tutoring market that you may have heard a lot about. They bring together over 1 million educators, startups, investors, innovators and thought leaders in China across events, training, reports and a unique business model we will hear more on. They also help international education companies understand what's happening in China. In this recording, you'll hear from Yi Wai about how shopping malls are providing space for students to broaden their learning whilst their parents enjoy some recreation. What do you think about this setup? Listen in and send your feedback to speakpipe.com forward slash the EdTech podcast by recording a small message for inclusion in our next episode. And here's a quick listener message of this kind before we begin. Following up from the UK EdTech news that Sparks has acquired Hegarty Maths and the two will be working together. Hello EdTech podcast listeners, it's Dan Sandu here from Sparks, an EdTech company that uses personalised content and data analytics to support the teaching and learning of secondary maths. I'm joined here by Colin Hegarty, the former teacher who set up Hegarty Maths, uh, a maths homework product which I'm sure you all know. Hello. Uh, We wanted to share some exciting news with you. We're joining forces and I'm delighted to say that Hegarty Maths is becoming part of the Sparks family. And coming together makes sense for Hegarty Maths because we share the same core belief as Sparks that edtech companies need to really understand what teachers want and be driven by this. What's interesting is we've taken quite a few approaches to being teacher-led. I've used my personal experience as a teacher working directly with learners to create Hegarty Maths. And at Sparks, we use data science and classroom research to ensure that everything we did 
and when developed was led by teachers. I'm really pleased to say that Colin will continue to lead and direct Hegarty Maths, but will also work really closely with me at Sparks as part of the senior leadership team. I'll be joining the board at Hegarty Maths, and together we can increase our joint impact in the UK and more excitingly across the world. And for more information, guys, check out the Sparks and Hegarty Maths websites. Okay, on with this week's show. Hi everyone, this is Sunny speaking in China. This week, we have invited a very special guest, Michael Huang from Xi'an. Michael is the founder of KitKat, one of the first STEAM education companies in China, mainly using a project-based learning model. And unlike most Chinese STEAM education companies that purely teach children how to code or conduct science experiments, KitKat really teaches children how to think about a complex problem and fix it using the resources at hand. Being the leading force in competency-based learning in China, Michael is really bringing out the creativity and problem-solving skills within Chinese students. So, welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Michael and I actually got to know each other at a Techstars startup weekend in Xi'an. Um, but before we talk about KitKat, I just want to share with our listeners one really cool fact about Michael. He is actually one of the Forbes 30 Under 30 honorees. Michael, what was that experience like and how did you get there? Well, before I had another company called K Academy, I was trying to make make some podcast teaching all the Chinese adults to learn useful English words and phrases in different scenarios. Uh, so each episode was like only five to 10 minutes and they're all connected. They are very useful. So the Chinese people, uh, they like it very much. It doesn't take them a lot of time so they can learn it, listen to it on the subway, on their way home uh, or before they go to sleep. So like millions of people listen to my podcast, it has a huge influence on the internet. So when Forbes is their first generation of 30 under 30 in China, so when they're trying to choose somebody from the educational field, they chose me because my huge influence in teaching English. And I was so flattered and I went to that meeting, I saw some other younger people who is doing some business with high technology. So it was mm. amazing to see those people who are not just doing education, but also they are combining it with some high technology. Like I know a guy who is from Harvard, uh, his office yeah. is also in Boston. He's doing something that can put computer connected with human mind. So for now, wow. uh, you know, some companies they are putting chips in human brain. So that's what they are trying to do. It's either put some hardware in your brain or uh, they trying to connect by some microwave or something to co- connect your brain to the computer. So you can only use thinking to move something, just to think. It's amazing. Uh, when I saw that, I, I started wanting to do some uh, technology education since then. So the, the meeting and the listed on that Forbes uh, was amazing uh, experience for me. Wow. And how did that really brought you to KitKat? So then I, before I wanted to teach kids English, because uh, earlier I was teaching adults, 
Then I thought, okay, now the kids are, when they are two or three years old, they can start learning English. But then my sister in Shanghai, she told me that she wanted to do the programming education to teach kids coding. And I said, I can't do it, but I know some uh, honorees from uh, Forbes, they are doing the programming education. So they talked to each other, but my sister still wanted me to do it, saying uh, the education idea is called STEM or STEAM. So I checked on the internet. I thought it's a great idea for teach students technology and everything. So I went to Shanghai and Chengdu. I went to some big event um, to show what is STEAM education. Then I mm. realized that in China, a lot of companies are just doing programming or Legos uh, or teaching robots. Mm. They're not doing the uh, real STEAM, the whole STEAM, uh, as I say. Uh, I think STEAM concludes everything. So there's no such company doing the real STEAM in China. So I thought, why not me doing it? Because this is what I wanted. So I came back to Xi'an and I met my high school mate, Dr. Li, who is also a great maker. Uh, he can make his own watch. He can make uh, earphones with very high quality. So I mm. think a great maker uh, really knows how to teach STEAM to help you to become a maker, to make anything you want. So we started last year uh, and named it KitKat. That's how it begins. Mm. That's how it begins. I see. And and I was I was really lucky to visit the KitKat makerspace two weeks ago when I was in Xi'an. And personally seeing those different handcrafts and inventions made by the kids. Um, can you share with our listeners a little bit about how you've introduced STEAM education using this KitKat platform? Yeah, we are teaching all the lessons uh, using PBL called project-based learning. I think it's the best way to teach STEAM for, for the kids. Uh, so each class is one project mixed with different knowledge and subjects. So for example, Dr. Lee can teach children to build their own computer. So we use a 3D printer to print the computer shell and we put the, the chip and CPUs and the uh, monitor inside the shell and make it a small computer that you can put in your pocket. And also we can teach the middle school students to make their own iPad. And for mm. the little kids, we teach them to make their own fish tank or small greenhouse. So they can plant uh, some veggies, they can uh, have some fish in the fish tank. It's for mm. them to learn uh, the world is like a big ecosystem. So mm. uh, we're teaching them like to combine everything. So including software programming and hardware programming and science uh, and everything that the, you know, the animals, the fish yeah. uh, and veggies. Uh, um, even we teach them to make a 3D printer that only costs 600 RMB. You know, <laughs> as on the market, usually uh, a good 3D printer that may cost you five to six thousand RMB. But, yeah. you know, in some countryside, some very poor places in China, uh, the children, they may never touch a 3D printer. So we are yeah. teaching those children to make your own 3D printer. Yeah. And how did the Chinese parents really respond to KitKat in the first place? 
schools because knowing that Chinese schools are highly um, result driven, it's all about the exams. Um, how is the Chinese public responding to STEAM when it is not in the traditional curriculum? Good question. Uh, for today, we just finished an activity teaching the kids to make their own perfume for their mothers. So the parents oh, wow. are very happy because uh, finally they can see their kids can make some stuff. Because you know, as in kindergarten or in elementary school or high school, usually uh, children are just reading books, doing papers, yeah. doing tests. Uh, all they can uh, show to their parents are just good grades, right? So that's the mm -hmm. only standard to judge their children uh, if they are good students or bad students. But for mm -hmm. now, like you said, uh, we're so highly result driven. So on yeah. the business end, a lot of businessmen, they are doing just uh, like coding, uh, Legos, robots, as I mentioned, uh, only doing one aspect of STEAM. That's not enough. And that's bad market. That's bad for this business because it will uh, lead the parents to think that this is STEAM, but that is not. And the second is the government and schools. We are trying to make uh, their own material and standard for teaching STEAM. But yeah. like different cities and different uh, education departments and different schools, they are all making their own standard and, and content, even writing their own books. So it's totally different. For now, there's no exact uh, one good standard for the whole country mm. to say, oh, this is how you teach STEAM. No one's doing that mm. because it's so... Mm. Uh, so big, it's something new. Everyone's trying to develop the very good standard. And, um, but I think in the future, you know, in now in Zhejiang, the yeah. college entrance examination that already uh, saying that if you want to pass Gaokao, you know, Gaokao college entrance examination yes, in China, yes. then you have to know the programming uh, the language is called Pantheon. You have to learn Pantheon because it's a basic language to, lo to learn artificial intelligence. So mm. now uh, everyone in Hangzhou, in Zhejiang, everyone is crazy to um, go to classes, to learn coding, to learn Pantheon. So I think yeah. in the future, not just the coding, also it will uh, include uh, making you to do something to create something to show your creativity, to show your ability to fix complex problems. So I think in the future, Gaokao will change too because parents uh -huh. and the government want the case to learn something else, not just judged by the good grace. So I yeah. think that's a to, uh, for the, both the school, the government, the parents and the children. Uh, we are about to change the whole education system. Yeah, and, and just being in China for the past few months, I can really feel the um, the desire and the drive for um, more of these competency-based learning in China um, and really slowly, slowly drifting away from this traditional curriculum, like you've said. And with China being such a tech giant right now, how is technology integrated in KitKat itself, um, either through the teaching or the workplace? Yeah, we focus on the details. When you enter the school, when you come in, you can feel that uh, we have this facial recognition 
uh, if you show your face, we'll replace your face uh, as Papa Pig. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you can see, oh, it's not my face anymore, it's a Papa Pig. And we, our teachers, they are very good at drones. Uh, so they can okay. show the case to play drones, to make a fish tank, or uh, as I said before, teaching them to make their own computer or iPad. And in the classroom, you can see in the lobby, you can see we made a vertical agriculture. We want them to know yeah, that yeah. Uh, this, this is a future for agriculture, right? Because yeah. in China, because China is big, but uh, for now, the countryside, there's no enough field to plant uh, veggies and rice. So now more and more factories are building this vertical agriculture. So we're teaching case a small version of that, saying, oh, this is the future future for agriculture. That's yeah. how you can do something in your at your home. You can plant your own veggies or some tomatoes, chilies. So when we did that in Shanghai, a lot of people from big companies, they wanted to buy it, to put one in their company or mm -hmm. in their home because they think this is awesome. Yeah. They can feel something and they can eat something uh, that grow by their own. Cool. Um, I've heard that several makers from Silicon Valley visited KitKat last year and they're coming back again this October. Um, what insights have they brought to you and how have you used it in KitKat? Yeah, when last year I heard some of the best makers from Silicon Valley and uh, some European countries, they came to Xi'an uh, to see how we are doing the maker stuff in Xi'an for adults. And then mm -hmm. I invited them to the school and I mm -hmm. thought two insights, they gave me a very huge influence. First is each one of them. Uh, has a very uh, has so many different identities. So uh, a guy named Tori, he's a hacker, he's yeah. a designer, he's a teacher. Uh, he can do a lot of things. So at least uh, uh, I saw in his resume, I can see he can be as at least four or five uh, different identities. So each one of them uh, have so many different skills, which let them to make their own stuff. They can design anything and make anything they want. And second mm -hmm. insight they brought to me is that the leader was called Mitch Altman. He is one of the best makers. He made a remote when he was young because he hate the TV. So the remote he used, he, if you just push one button, the whole yeah. building or the whole mall or the whole hospital's TV will turn off because he <laughs> thinks that people hate, uh, people should not uh, be watching television every day. So he made this remote. Uh, want you just push one button and turn off all the TVs. They want you to think, yeah. uh, not just watching TV. So yeah. that um, remote helped him make a lot of money because it sold out in just one night. And then um, <laughs> he used this money to travel around the world to teach all yeah. the kids to be a great maker. And the insight he gave me is that I asked him, Mitch, how should I teach Chinese children to be a great maker? How should I teach them STEAM? And he said, just one word, anything. It means uh, 
anything, everything is knowledge. It's combined. It's mixed together to teach kids. Yeah. That's the best way to teach STEAM. So with yeah. that idea, now in our class, uh, we'll try to teach kids everything. As long as we think it's yeah. useful, uh, it's good for them, we'll teach them. Yeah. So that's our philosophy of teaching STEAM. I see. And any any um, recent projects that have been exciting? I know that you've mentioned about the perfume um, in today's class. Anything else that have been happening recently or coming up? Yeah, we're about to build a very big, um, I don't know how to describe it. The whole room is uh, built by glasses. It's all glass. Mm -hmm. And the inside is a very big uh, greenhouse. It oh, has okay. fish tank inside. It has uh, plants inside. It has uh, veggie planted inside. Uh, also vertical agriculture. It's the whole thing is in a one big uh, classroom in a high school wow. so it's it's wow. awesome so the, so the education department when uh, the government when the officials they came to visit they think this is great this is something we want for uh, the next generation not just letting them do the paperwork but now they can build something yeah. they can uh, trying to do something by themselves yeah yeah it's very exciting that you bring this um this concept into schools now and really directly influencing the traditional curriculum um, and we're very excited to hear more of your stories later on with this project and but to to end us off for today um, what's your advice for anyone who wants to start an education business in China or rather survive in this such a competitive market here uh, that's a good question because you and I, we met together in a um, competition uh, startup weekend and we can yeah. see a lot of people wanted to do a business, especially in education. At least uh, two products uh, we know was about education. Yeah. But when they're trying to do it, I think they only focused on how and what. What should I do? What product should I do? How should I do it? They never... Mm -hmm. Uh, think about um, why. Why mm. should I do this? Why do I choose education as um, a business? Uh, so a lot of Chinese businessmen doing education, they're like thinking the same way. They only focus on the money. They don't focus on mm. good content and service. So they would copy some ideas, copy some uh, materials, uh, buy some books, uh, from other schools or institution and hire some low standard teachers to give class and so the only earn a little money and after they have 10 or 20 schools the bad reputation uh, leaves no more recruitment for new students so they'll go bankrupt so that's a lot of like 70 even sometimes 80 percent in the market are doing the same way they have bad reputation. They, they don't have a good content or good service. So yeah. I, my advice to them is to aim higher for the future. Uh, think about what is the best for the kids. Uh, what can we do to help the kids to embrace the challenges and opportunities in the future? So I think after 20 years, AI will replace us all. So by that time, what should we do? 
I think most of us will lose our jobs or we may have a new job using our own creativity and ability、mm-hmm. to make something new. So、um, mm-hmm. we really need to think about what new skills、uh, and new knowledge we should learn to、uh, give us more competitive uh, capacity, com- energy to compete、mm-hmm. in the future. Not with another man, but with AI. So this is what we are trying to do: is to provide good、uh, content, good material, good service for the kids to let them learn a lot of knowledge,、uh, have different skills, so in the future、mm-hmm. they can face the quick changing world. They they can、yeah. face AI. They can. I don't want them to worry about.、Uh, Getting replaced by machines or computers, so that's my advice for the education business、um, businessman in China. Please focus on、uh, good content, good service for our、mm. case, or you may not have a reputation. Then you will go bankrupt after、uh, a few、yeah. years. That's the end. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that advice.、Um, on behalf of. Our listeners, and if any of our listeners want to know more about KitKat or want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, if you can get on Baidu,、uh, please just search my Chinese name Huang Ruicheng, or、uh, iOS the podcast. You can search Xiao、uh, Ka Yingyu, which is my、uh, last program for teaching English. That was my、mm-hmm. podcast, so you can always find、mm-hmm. my. Contact information on Baidu or on podcast. Hi, brilliant. Yeah, it's eight、uh, fifty-five here in the UK.、Um, I've just finished the、uh, my son's last nursery run before he finishes school, so that's all quite exciting.、Um, and yeah, the the sunshine has turned to rain here. In the southwest, but、um, I'm really excited this morning because、um, I'm here with E.Y.、Uh, Zhang, director of international、uh, edtech at Rai. Thank you, Sophie.、Um, so, what time is it where you are? Ah,、oh, it's、uh, almost four in the afternoon. So that's not too bad. As I'm saying, so you you've recently、uh, started your job at Rai, and we had a. A chat previously about what that means for competency-based education.、Um, for our listeners, could you kind of summarise what your role is and what you're currently focused on? Right. So、uh, what we do is we focus on the competency-based education industry, and we provide insights and industry services. For anyone who are participants in this industry, so uh, basically uh, they. Uh, founders and the CEOs and uh, executive level uh, staff in uh, the competence-based education companies, and also、uh, investors who are interested in this company. And uh, uh, like from、um, the data、uh, that's shown in the last pre- uh, previous uh, previous years, the capital have. Very like strong focus on in this industry, and、uh, what the company do is、uh, we provide three main sectors. So the first one is、uh, media and event.、Uh, we have our、uh, 
like a large pool of readers and uh, we provide insights and news. And also we host events, some small ones, some big ones. Uh, we have like at least two events that are um, like deal closing oriented uh, every month. And also we have a, a huge one, the largest uh, competency-based education summit and expo in China. Uh, at the end of the year. So this year it will be December. Uh, so, and also we provide courses, some similar to MBA courses to the founders of the uh, companies. And also we also do uh, the education realistic complex business. And uh, uh, for me, our department, we help uh, overseas companies, like companies outside China, to better understand the competence-based education industry in China, and uh, we help them to uh, close deals. We have help, help them to uh, enter their product in the Chinese market. And for, for those people listening who perhaps competency-based education isn't a term they're familiar with, that's basically everything outside of the sort of traditional exam-focused K-12 sector, is that correct? Yes, yes. It's very non-exam focused. Yeah, when we spoke before, we had a, a really interesting chat around um, the education complex idea that you just mentioned. So um, that's kind of, you know, might be companies based in this space that are taking up uh, real estate, either on a, you know, a purchase or a rental uh, agreement within spaces like shopping centres um, to provide a kind of convenient touch point for these kind of education experiences um, mm. outside of the classroom. Um, so it's quite interesting. I mean, you were talking about how that fits into, you know, a family's working weekend, should we say? Yeah, yeah. So basically the logic behind the uh, educational realistic complex is that the uh, realistic complex uh, holders, uh, owners, for example, the shopping malls, they want to prolong the, uh, the time a family can stay in this complex or in their shopping malls. So uh, the companies would, um, the, the shopping malls would invite some education companies and provide some um, like lower uh, rent uh, to the education companies to uh, stay in the complex. So the parents could maybe bring their kids to uh, this shopping mall in the weekend to, uh, for for example, a dancing class, for an English course, for a um, like piano course. So uh, the, while the students is, are learning, the parents could go off and then uh, having afternoon tea, can go shopping, can have meals, right? And they, uh, students, our data shows that students usually spend um, at least half day in after school learning centers. So they would pick on average two to three subjects that they would learn. Uh, if the students are between three year old to uh, like 15 year old, uh, the, when the exam pressure is not that great, uh, is not that huge, the, uh, the kid would usually pick um, like uh, two, at least two non-exam subjects. So for example, uh, STEAM, 
like coding or robotics, uh, arts education, for example, uh, drawing, dancing, musical instrument, uh, or uh, sports education, or like even some early childhood education and uh, some uh, uh, English courses. And these uh, these subjects are uh, what we include in the concept of competence-based education in China. That's very interesting. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think about some of our own shopping malls and uh, whether they could do with some uh, extra learning experiences within them. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see if that, that model gets exported here. Yeah, it's quite different in China, to be honest. Uh, I've, um, I lived in the UK mm-hmm. before. I haven't seen this model. I think because China uh, is quite huge. There yeah. are so many students here. And uh, um, if uh, the government have enough resources to provide these subjects in school, then uh, it will be similar to UK and the US. But in China, um, the resources, education resources are very limited. So the government is actually supporting the after-school learning uh, system for these non-exam focused subjects uh, outside the campus, so outside school. So students um, probably will explore their interests in drawing or sports outside school instead of in school. And uh, um, parents feel this pressure, to be honest, because in, especially in tier one, tier two cities, they, it's time consuming for the parents to drop the kids to mm-hmm. one place and then uh, pick him up and drop him to another place and pick him up. That's a whole day wasted for the parent. So it's very con- convenient for the parents to just put the kid into one place and the kid can spend hours and hours um, finding their interests and exploring and uh, like learning new stuff. And then the parents can um, be happy and then uh, at the end of the day, they pick the kids up and go home. <laughs> And um, just looking at the broader picture, so, um, you know, the economy uh, in China seems to be uh, slowing somewhat. Um, I just wondered what the the knock-on was for EdTech specifically. And, I mean, you mentioned that you're seeing investment where it is taking place going into competency-based education, but are there any other sort of trends that you're picking up so uh, I think you're right. The macroeconomic situation is not uh, that great since uh, the second half year of 2018. So you can see a lot of um, uh, investors who are being very cautious to invest now. So there are a huge drop uh, compared to the first half year of 2018. Uh, If we look at the uh, second half year of 2018, uh, there's a huge drop in the uh, number of companies who are uh, invested, also the total volume. But but in the uh, the first half year of 2019, um, the situation I would say is um, recovering a little bit better because if we look at the competency-based education industry alone, it um, 
last year, 2018, it takes almost half of the total uh, number of uh, education companies who get funded. But this year, the, for, the sec, uh, for the first half, it's more than half uh, of all companies who are funded. Um, and uh, the uh, first half year of 2019 is better than the second half year of 2018, but it's still lower than the first half year of 18. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening in and I do hope you enjoyed and found some gems of inspiration to take away with you. Don't forget that for events you might be interested in around the world, you can go to the edtechpodcast.com forward slash events. This week's featured event is the High Red Summit Horizons, which takes place on the 10th of October in Paris, France. And for listeners, there's a special code EDTECH50, which gets you 50% off the ticket. All details are available on our website. That's all for now. Thank you for subscribing and listening and goodbye.